Welcome to episode 359 of Live Happy Now. There are many ways to practice happiness, but the key is to find what works for you and make a habit of it. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week's guest is going to walk us through his new 30-day challenge that will help you develop your own happiness habit. Jackson Kirchis is founder of the Happiness Studies major at the University of Alabama, which is designed to help students understand how to live happier lives. Now, he's launching Rewired, a 30-day happiness habit challenge beginning April 11th that will help participants develop three happiness-supporting habits over 30 days. Let's hear what this program is all about and how it can literally change your mind about happiness. Jackson, welcome back to Live Happy Now. Thanks, Paula. It's great to be back. Well, you reached out about something new that you're doing, and it just sounded like something that Live Happy needed to be a part of. And before we get to that, what I'd really love to do is kind of refresh our audience's memory and talk about your personal journey on how you became a happiness expert. Yeah, sounds good. Well, one thing I often share with people is I view myself more of a maybe a student of happiness that a happiness experts not to say I don't I like to say I think I know a thing or two at this point after <laughs> well you are teaching being, it so yeah basically being a big time nerd on this for the last two or three years but it kind of started out in this idea of studying happiness I got a scholarship to study economics at the University of Alabama finished that in two years and was kind of stuck I think as many college students, have experienced in that place of like, well, what should I do with my life? And (laughs) that feeling never quite goes away. But finally, I was just like, well, I love learning. I'm a big time nerd, like I said. And it's like, well, what do I want to study? And one morning, I still I remember I woke up and I was like, well, I can study happiness. And that day, I called my mentor and applied to create the first degree in happiness at the University of Alabama. And so that's where it all started. And then over the last few years, I just continued to invest in that. I won a couple grants, like a light bulb research grant for some of the work I did. I ended up creating and instructing the first ever happiness course at the University of Alabama. Done a lot of programming and training and events and things. And I guess as my post-grad, since we last talked, I spent four months living as a Zen monk as well. So a lot to offer in terms of that. How did that experience shape or reframe what you had already learned about happiness? Yeah, well, I often say that every academic discipline, every spiritual tradition, philosophy, religion, like I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Buddhist, but all of these things are different maps for understanding the human experience of reality. So I know that's a little out there, but I'll explain that, (laughs) right? It's saying that there's a saying like the map is not the territory, right? It's a representation. It's symbolic. It's a conceptual tool that you use to navigate the real territory. So I think Buddhism, psychology, positive psychology, all these different fields are kind of like that. It's you know, using a certain conceptual map, for lack of a better word, to understand experience. And so the reason I share all that is because Buddhism to me is a wonderful sort of map, quote unquote, for happiness. Like their general view of and this idea of mind training, 
the middle way between kind of seeking pleasure, but also renunciation and not having any enjoyment, right? Temperance. And I'm happy to talk more about this if you want, but generally, yeah, this Buddhist view of kind of a prescription for ending suffering, I would say definitely my views are very Buddhist inspired. And there's a lot of really a pretty crazy amount of overlap between a lot of psychology and Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there really is. And then how did that inform this new project that you've developed? See, we're really building mystery here because it's like we haven't told them what it is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can we can keep building it a little, but yeah, a couple things. One is just, again, reinforcing this idea of practice and habit, which something we'll probably talk about as we progress here is, I always say, talk about the importance of doing versus knowing. And this idea that just knowing intellectually that we should do something doesn't equate to actually doing it. And this, I think, is incredibly true in the whole conversation of well-being and happiness and positive psychology, because a lot of things we find are not sort of these earth-shattering revelations like, oh, it's good to have meaning and it's good to exercise and spend time with people you love. But then you have a really busy week and all of a sudden it's like, well, I haven't exercised. I haven't spent time with people. (laughs) And I'm in a really grumpy mood. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the Buddhist view is really a lot about conditioning and repetition. And it's really, I like to say that our modern neuroscientists were like 2000 or 3000 years late to the party because I remember reading the studies and, you know, it was like in the big boom of neuroplasticity and science, like, Oh my gosh, but your habits rewire your brain. And I just imagine some Buddhist monk, you know, in Tibet being like, yeah, like we know, tell me something I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So this idea of habits based approach and, practice and really conditioning yourself and self-directed neuroplasticity. That's something I pull in a lot that it was reinforced by Buddhism. And another one is how you can be in a really supportive environment. So when I was in this setting, I was surrounded by monks and, you know, it was like scheduled meditation, go to the meditation hall, meals are served at certain times. And I found that when you're in a disciplined environment, you become much more disciplined as opposed to what we tend to do, which is just relying on internal discipline or like willpower, motivation. You know, I was vegetarian, didn't smoke, didn't drink, nothing for 90 days. And it was honestly pretty easy because of the environment. So those are a couple of themes, like the habits and environment that will come into play a lot with this. Talk a little bit about the program that you then created and what we're going to learn by doing this 30-day yeah. challenge. Well, I'll share a quick story on this because I want to highlight this fundamental shift from what I call habit building, which I touched on earlier, motivation and willpower and knowing what to do and trying harder versus what I call habit engineering, which is using your creativity, your intelligence, the actual principles of psychology to kind of engineer new habits and new behaviors. So it was kind of a fun one. I was like 20 years old in college at the University of Alabama, and it was the night of the national championship. So like the biggest, most popular bar in the whole town, Alabama was playing in the game. So there was a line down the block of like 100 people, maybe 200 people. I think the cover charge just to get in was like $200. And 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get in there. Like, I want it so <laughs> bad. Like, I have friends in there, it's a girl I was Bono. talking to in there. And my, all right, I got to get in there. So I'm like, all right, I'm 20 years old, this huge line. Can I pay the bouncer, try to sneak in the line? I looked over the fence. I was like, you know, can I climb up on the roof and jump in there? And I realized again, it's like, I want to get in there so bad, but my motivation isn't going to get me in. So I was like, all right, let's get a little creative here. And I ended up, I walked across the street to some fast food place, got like a burger, walk over in my paper bag and I just walk right up to the bouncer. And I said, Hey, I've got an Uber Eats here for Sarah in the back. <laughs> and he kind of looks at me and I go, yeah, Sarah, she's a bartender back there. I don't know. I just got to drop this off. And He's like, yeah, all right, go ahead. So there I am, 20 years old, the biggest night of the year right now, championship. I walk right in there and, hey, I'm good to go, right? Eat my cheeseburger, celebrate. And you know, <laughs> I share that because you can do that for more than sneaking into bars in college, right? It's that But that same, is a good tool for anyone yes. who wants to sneak into a bar. It, it is a good tool, yeah. <laughs> so as at least you can say, maybe you didn't learn anything about happiness, but you did learn that, right? But, <laughs> So, it's something. <laughs> yeah. But no, so you can use that same shift again away from motivation, willpower, creativity, intelligence when you're thinking about changing your behavior and investing in these small habits. So the way I lay this program out is taking the semester-long happiness habits course at the University of Alabama that I've kind of poured my heart and soul into for the last two years, setting that up. And I said, well, I want to make something that's easier and scalable. And that, because realistically, Paul, you know, I work with a lot of like busy professionals, high performing students, parents, whatever. And like, I can't ask you to take a semester long course through the university. Right. So I try to scale that down into a 30 day version. And the reason I call it, uh, challenge is because it's structured so that you'll show up every single day to build your habits. And what I do is kind of layer in three key habits over the course of the month, right? So you can think kind of a hypothetical of how this looks with, I'll use my friend, Andrew, who's a management consultant. So super busy, hundred percent travel. Most weeks he's in New York city or LA so we go to this initial training where I share kind of these rules and principles of habit engineering talk about. And that first week, his job is to show up every single day to complete that habit for the first category I tell people to do is positive interactions and relationships. So that might mean I'm going to send one thank you email per day. Okay, great. So you do that seven days challenge. Next week, I'll do a little training and stack on top of that a second habit that has to do with mind training. So that might be a five minute meditation. So you go that week, every day, I'm going to send out my thank you email and do my five minute meditation. And we get to third week in the final kind of category, we talked about relationships, mind training. And the third one is your health or your physical energy loosely corresponds to like the idea of mind, body, spirit. So you might say, Hey, I'm also going to do a, 20 second cold shower at the end of my usual shower. And then you do that. And Tell me show... what that does for us. Yeah. So that one is interesting in that 
it's been shown. I think there are several studies that Wim Hof was kind of a guy who inspired a lot of this, but they see that cold exposure can actually increase some of your baseline dopamine and hormone levels. And there was some other really incredible studies with this Wim Hof fellow who's kind of a cold guru, for lack of a better <laughs> word. He's broken tons of world records, like swimming under ice sheets. You know, I think he climbed to the summit of Everest barefoot or something like that. It is just one example, right? I, I don't tell people you have to pick these. But yeah, so cold exposure can be one that stimulates and kind of raises that baseline level of dopamine, some of these other endorphins. Very interesting. And so at the end of 30 days, what can people expect will have happened? What is kind of the end goal that we're looking for? Yeah. Well, that's why I think this is such a unique program and I'm so excited about it because, as like I said, knowing isn't doing. And that's something Lori Santos, even the Happiness Church at Yale, talks about the G.I. Joe fallacy in, in her class because you know, G.I. Joe, the cartoon, used to say knowing is half the battle. She's like, well, no, it's not. And so in this program, the thing I'm so excited about is because after 30 days of showing up and I'm going to be there every step of the way coaching along, I'm going to share these mini daily video lessons and mix in some slightly longer trainings if you want to go hands on and help set you up with all the principles so that you have a project that you'll actually stick to. But at the end of 30 days, you'll have shown up 30 times. Right. And I say, think of it as being 1% happier every day with just adding this little habit in. Well, after 30 days, that's 30%. And I know it's not that quantitative, right? 30% happier, but it's that mindset. So 30 days, you show up consistently. It's very easy to insert this in your life, should take you less than five to 10 minutes a day. And by the end of those 30 days, you know, I like to say 30 days for the rest of your life because you have those habits now in place that you can build upon and start to scale up as you go. So how does someone ensure that they're going to continue doing that after the 30 days? Because here's like, I have a lot of friends that do anything from dry January to like, they're going to go on this 30 day extreme diet. And then at the end of 30 days, <laughs> it's like they go binge. So, and they just kind of forget it's not that they forget what they've just been through, but it's kind of like, okay, I completed that challenge. Now I'm going back to my regular life. So how do you prevent that kind of effect from taking place in this yeah. happiness habits? No, that's a great question, Paula. There are a few things I do. I think the most important one is actually the first rule I say of habit engineering is make your habits too easy, way easier than you think is, is necessary. And the reason for that is this idea of minimum effective dose. So that's something if you look at a lot of pharmaceuticals, right? A certain amount of a pharmaceutical has an effect on you. And then beyond that, it's kind of got diminishing returns. Or right. if you think about meditation, there are studies that show that, you know, somewhere between 23 and 27 minutes a day is enough to actually change your brain. So it's not to say you shouldn't do more than that. But it's saying, what's like the smallest incremental thing possible so that you can keep it consistently in your life? Because, yeah, like you said, when you do a crash diet or something for 30 days, or if I said, you know, we're going to do an hour long meditation every single day or something, it's like, that's great. But yeah, it's just not realistic to do consistently. Right. But if you pick something very small and 
build out changes in your schedule, build a supportive environment, and to put together these principles into something very small, then you can have that something that lasts beyond the 30 days. And how do you use this to create happiness in your life? Like each person's journey is different. So their path to happiness and what they need to achieve is going to be a little bit different. And how do you help them reach those kind of goals? And how do you help them transform their lives through better habits? That's a great question. And that's why something I really like about sort of the middle ground I've landed on with this is the way that I have those three habits structured is so that I'm giving you a category, but you choose the actual habit. So the three key habits, if you look at what really matters for long-term happiness and health in a lot of ways, I talk about relationships or positive interactions as number one. And if you look up Robert Waldinger TED Talk, for instance, I'm sure you've heard about that, the grant study, Paula, but basically the longest running study on site study of adult health and happiness found that quality relationships are the key to happiness and longevity, right? So that's the first one. So I'm giving you that category, but you can pick, say, hey, I'm going to do a thank you email. I'm just going to smile at someone every day, right? The second one, mind training. So again, I give you that category but you can pick what works for you because I might choose meditation, but someone else bring for gratitude journaling or going for a walk, right? Whatever. And then the third one, your physical health and your body. Again, in all those, I'm just giving you these categories that are the key mission critical categories of your life when it comes to improving your happiness, but you pick what you want to do within that category. That's excellent. I like how it's it's something that you can customize each person. And then how does this help transform people's lives? As you change your habits, how does that change you? Well, that's a great question, Paul. And I'll tell you another quick story. That's kind of a fun one. Jason, oh, like sneaking into a bar as Uber Eats wasn't fun? Come on. Yeah, this one's even more. <laughs> this one's maybe... A, yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll leave it up to people to decide. Uh, so let's talk about this kid, Jason, all right, that I worked with. And so just a snapshot of where he was at when he was 18 years old, he was pretty crazy, pretty wild kid, uh, a lot of ups and downs, some anger issues. He broke his hand, punching a wall, like dislocated his shoulder, fighting over a girl, pretty narcissistic or vain, kind of self-conscious, right? Tendency to like brag and show off and final piece of where he was at some pretty dangerous tendencies in terms of drinking all the time. So we drink before baseball games, before school events, smoking weed. I even started doing harder drugs like oxycodone, experimenting with that. So all at 18 years old, that's a snapshot, right? So we can think about the, maybe the happiness trajectory he was on. So not great. And looking for happiness in all the wrong places. And around that time, he watches a TED talk by this Buddhist monk who talks about this idea of mind training saying, well, happiness are not just these pleasures that you feel really good because they kind of wear out. It's a lot more about long-term cultivating a better state of mind. So he says, all right, I'm going to try this mindfulness course, you know, show up 20 minutes a day meditation, no matter what, I'm just going to stick to it for eight weeks. And he's terrible at meditation, much like a lot of people 
two minutes in, he's thinking about what he's going to eat for lunch, all the things on his to-do <laughs> list, what he's going to say to people. Right? He's like, I'm just going to stick with it, keep showing up. And about two thirds of the way through that course, he had this weird moment where he was cooking dinner one night, knocked over this glass of wine, shatter on the floor. So it's like, we talked about the anger side before with the broken hand, right? You can imagine right. anger's going to bubbling up and explode. And then he kind of catches himself and starts to giggle and laugh at himself. And he remembered that in that course, that meditation course, one of the lessons said, Hey, anger and humor often arise from the same seed. If you can identify it in that magic mindful moment, you kind of control your response to it. And so over a few weeks, there's more of these weird changes, you know, he's less anxious, less kind of arrogant, less, angry, less tendency to you know, do crazy stuff and be foolish. And by the time he's done with the course, like his friends can hardly recognize, him. you know, doesn't drink as much, doesn't do all that same stuff he used to do before. So think about just that shift in a period of really like two or three months, one small habit, 20 to 30 minutes a day of meditation, like totally changing your trajectory. And then if you zoom out five years later with Jason, where he ended up four years later, he created the first degree in happiness studies. He taught a course at the University of Alabama on happiness. He's done events, you know, research grants, podcasts, magazines, lived as a Zen monk and teaches and speaks about happiness to thousands of people across the country. Right. Because there's the fun part, Paula. Jason <laughs> is really my alter ego for this story, but that's me. Right. So I share that because it all just came back to a single habit. When we think about our habits in the context of happiness, I like to say that it's like I heard this about falling in love once. And I think it's the same for our habits. It's the change is like slow, then all at once. Yeah. Right. Progress yeah. is invisible. And so we tend to, overestimate the short-term impacts, but greatly underestimate the long-term. So yeah, really just, yeah, these habits are incredibly I like it. That's so, I love that story. That's so great to know. I did not, even having talked to you before, I did not know that backstory on you. So I love, I love knowing that it makes you appreciate even more all the work that you're doing. So tell me how people can sign up for this. I know we're going to promote it on Live Happy your media sponsor for this. And so we're going to promote it on our social channels and let people know when to sign up and where to sign up. But tell me kind of the, give me the nuts and bolts of this and what they need to do. You can go to happinessmajor.com slash rewired. So that's R-E-W-I-R-E-D, rewired for like our neuroplasticity talks before. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So you can sign up there and all that I'm asking for for this program is ends up being $1 a day. So $30. And to touch on that quickly, I don't care that much about the $30. But the reason that's actually really important is this habit engineering again, because you're going to be two weeks into this and you're going to say one day, well, I don't really feel like watching the little video and taking my mini cold shower. But I paid $30 for this, like, I better do it. (laughs) That's like, the more you invest, makes you commit. And actually in economics, we call it a commitment device. So anyway, that's pretty much it. You sign up there, $30, 30 days for the rest of your life. And 
you can also contact me through my website, of course, or on social media at Jackson Kirchis to get any more info, anything like that. That's awesome. Well, this is a really cool thing to do. I'm sure our listeners are going to be excited to learn more about it. And so they can go to our landing page and we'll tell them all about it, give them the link directly to that. But thank you so much for doing this and for coming on and sharing your story about it. This is something that's, that's very, very cool. Thank you, Paula. I appreciate that. And I'm really excited. I think that folks are going to love it because it's all about creating actual change. You know, no matter where you are, maybe you're kind of unhappy, maybe you're doing great. Again, those incremental kind of 1% changes over 30 days can be incredibly powerful. That was Jackson Kirchis, creator of the Happiness Studies major at the University of Alabama, talking about Rewired, a 30-day happiness habit challenge beginning April 11th. If you'd like to sign up for his challenge, learn more about Jackson, or follow him on social media, visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And exclusively for Live Happy Now listeners, Jackson is offering a free one-on-one 30-minute happiness habits coaching session to get or keep you on the right path. Check out our website or social media channels for details. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. Oh,